Eight years ago, Janie and I came out here to Lower Lake because we were facing a crisis in our lives. We fully believed that God had called us to work at a church in Palestine. But there was no church in Palestine like what we wanted to be a part of. So we came out here really at the end of our ropes and we prayed and we cried and we decided that it was time to start New Life Community Church. And we had no idea how to start a church. We had no money to start a church. We were told that it was a bad idea to start a new church in a city where we had been for seven years. But we were convinced that God wanted us to do it. So we had to obey. And we remembered this verse from Jesus, John 5, 17 and 19. Jesus said to them, My Father never stops working, and so I keep working too. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing alone. The Son does only what He sees the Father doing, because the Son does whatever the Father does. According to Jesus, God is always at work around us. And we believed God was working in Palestine to do something new, to do church a different way. And we believed when we were sitting at Lower Lake eight years ago that it was time to join what God was doing in Palestine. And we knew if God wasn't in it, then, then we would fail. We'd fold quickly. If God was in it, then we would succeed. And Janie's words to me on that day were, I don't want to look back 15 to 20 years from now and wonder what might have been. Don't you lie on the track. everything exactly as God had commanded him. Have you ever thought about that? That seems like um, almost too... It's almost hard to believe that he would do everything just as God commanded him. Because if God asked you to build a big, giant boat, don't you think you might have a few questions or maybe some objections? No, it didn't. The Bible tells us that he obeyed God wholeheartedly. That means doing whatever God asks when God asks you to do it. You don't procrastinate and say, Oh, I'll pray about it. If you have heard from God, either through His Word or through He speaks to you through prayer, if you've heard from God, you do it immediately. Every parent knows that delayed obedience is really disobedience. And see, God doesn't owe you an explanation or a reason for everything He asks you to do. Understanding can wait, but obedience can't. Instant obedience will teach you more about God than a lifetime of Bible studies. In fact, you'll never understand some commands until you obey them first. Obedience is actually the key to unlocking understanding. And what we try to do so often is we offer God partial obedience. We want to pick and choose the commands we obey. We make a list of commands we like and obey those while ignoring the ones we think are unreasonable, difficult, expensive, or unpopular. I'll attend church, but I won't tithe. I'll read my Bible, but I won't forgive the person who hurt me. But we have to recognize that partial obedience is disobedience. King David showed us the right attitude in Psalm 119.33. He says to God, Just tell me what to do, and I will do it, Lord. As long as I live, I'll wholeheartedly obey. James, the half-brother of Jesus, told Christians in the New Testament in James 2.24, we please God by what we do and not only by what we believe. God's word is clear that you can't earn your salvation. It comes only by grace, not your effort. But as a child of God, you can bring pleasure to your heavenly father through obedience. 
Any act of obedience is also an act of worship because obedience proves you really love God. Obedience makes God smile. We were able to move into our first building rent-free. We met for six months in the old Rounders building, which for that was Tammy's 57 Heaven. One of our claims was, we don't have a steeple, just a Chevy. Um, it's now the Verizon building. We were there for six months. From there, we went to Gleason's Computing, which um, is where, it, it was where the, the landmark school is now. We met there for a year rent-free. After that, we went to the old First Baptist building for a very low rent, and we thought it would be a short stay. We were there four years. And we were grateful for our building, don't get me wrong, but it was hard to find and our worship area was on the fourth floor. For four long years, we walked up those steps and we prayed. And we looked at every building we could think of that might be a home for our church. We thought we'd go downtown to that building with the big stars on it. We actually started renovating, put in a door, started building a door when the city told us we couldn't meet there because that would violate their codes. And, you know, looking back, there was too much bat poop there anyway. We didn't want to jack with the bat poop, bat guano. We considered moving to the old Rust School, and we actually talked to the city about that uh, years ago, and, and we're glad we didn't go there. We looked at the North Jackson Baptist Church. that look imposing and that may be great for some people but not for the type of church that we were looking at we were desperate for buildings two years ago God brought us here to this building May 4th 2008 was our first Sunday here and recently God has given us another two acres and a house and a garage just to our north what we've learned is that God is indeed always working sometimes we just don't see him at work sometimes we're not very patient but we've tried to be like Noah. We've tried to obey everything God has commanded us to do. And from the very beginning, God told us to build a church to reach people who are far from God. We are to do everything in our power to make sure that people within driving distance of this building hear that God made them, God loves them, and God has a plan for them. And so we have a very simple strategy, and it's four steps. It's on your listening guide today. Let me take just a couple of minutes to explain those four steps to you. In the book of John... It says this, when he saw Jesus walking by, talking about John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus walking by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two followers heard John say this, so they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following him, he asked, what are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He answered, come and see. So the two men went with Jesus and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. So the first thing we do is we invite people to come and see. Now, this happened not too long uh, after John the Baptist had baptized Jesus. He looks up. He's talking to a couple of his own disciples, and he says, There's the Lamb of God. Why don't you go follow him? So Andrew and John started following Jesus, and, and they asked a very simple question. Where are you going, Lord? And Jesus said, Come and see. You can't ask for a, a simpler, easier commitment than that. Just come and see. And that's where you and I need to start in our efforts to reach people. 
We offer an open door to people throughout this community to simply come and see. You invite them to our weekend service. You say, come check us out. Come and see. Listen to our music. Hear the message. You don't have to sing anything, sign anything, say anything. No significant significant commitment required. Just come like you are and see. We offer an open door policy for people to come and see church done a little bit differently than what they may have come to expect. We want people to hear some great music. We want people to see some goofy videos. We want people to hear a practical message from the Bible, which is God's Word. And as a bonus, your children will be taught the exact same things. They'll hear great music. They'll hear age-appropriate stories in an age-appropriate environment so that everyone in your family can hear about Jesus' love for them. What a deal. That's level one. I want you to hear from Debbie Howard, and she is really at level one, the come and see level. And I want you to hear her story and how she first came and saw. All right, Debbie, um, way back, uh, I guess a couple of months ago, I asked some folks to share testimonies with me, and you wrote to me about how you first came to New Life, and it's kind of a funny story. So tell us um, how you first came here, what the circumstances were, kind of fill us in on that. Well, uh, I started dating Ricky Baker last year, and he immediately, as soon as I met him, he was actually trying to get me to come to New Life. And seeing as I hadn't been in church in a very long time, and I was rather hesitant about coming, I kept coming up with excuses as to why I wasn't going to come. So finally he gave me a deadline and said I had to be in church by November or he was threatening to break up with me. <laughs> didn't, didn't you say by the end of the year? Didn't he come I, t- I told him that I was going to come by the end of the year, just that way I could stall longer. And, and he said no. He said it had to be by November. So, <laughs> Well, kind of tell us, what, what were some of the circumstances that happened to you? You were in church when you were younger. Yes, sir. I, I was raised uh, Southern Baptist, and um, when my parents split up, it was rather unorthodox the way my mother remarried. She married a close family friend, so the church asked us to leave. And they said I could stay, but just that my parents couldn't couldn't come with me, and I just didn't I didn't understand that. So I just didn't see myself staying there. Even though how I old were you? Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. So so as a teenager, you could keep coming, but they didn't want your parents to right. come. Okay. So uh, what did you do with church? Did you try other churches? I didn't try. I, I went to see my sister because my sister and her husband are in the ministry. And I went to church with off and on for a few years. But then by the time I hit 18, I quit going altogether. And then when I found out I was pregnant with my son, uh, that's when I started looking around at mm-hmm. different churches. But I didn't find one that I really liked. Okay. So, all right. Now back to Ricky. <laughs> You're dating Ricky, and he gives you this deadline. What, how did that make you feel? I was almost in a panic. I was really scared. Um, I I was almost freaking out, to be honest, because I was so scared to just put myself back out there in a church, and I never thought I'd find one. And so, what did he What did he tell you? How did he describe New Life? He said it wasn't the normal church. He said that the preacher usually wore a. a a Hawaiian shirt, and <laughs> he told me that you would talk about sex on the pulpit and things like that. And he just he just told me that this wasn't going to be comparable to any other church I'd ever been to, and that once I came here, that I would fall in love with it, and I did. 
Okay, so when you first came in, tell us, tell us kind of your impression of new life when you first got here. Well, I walked in and everybody was immediately very friendly. They were coming up to me and uh, everybody was dressed normally. You know, it didn't, it wasn't political. It didn't matter, you know, if, who had the best clothes on and how high you were in the church. Everybody was just so nice. And then it was casual. It didn't feel like I was at church. It really just felt like I was sitting around with a bunch of friends just hearing about God. Right. And that's really where it got me. <laughs> so in, in your email, you kind of described uh, some of the things you liked about the church, the, the clothing. Um, what did you think of the music? I loved the music because I love the old hymns. Uh, but I love the New Age worship, and I love the fact that it was all men because I've never seen that before. Really? And yes, and they're just all so diverse, and so it just I, the music. Diverse. Really that's a good word for our worship team. <laughs> diverse. That's that's a kinder word than I would have used. But but I, <laughs> I'm hoping that makes the the cut. Um, so had you had you heard any uh, like contemporary Christian music? Had you heard praise music? Oh, I've. I've always listened to contemporary. Um, I used to download Christian songs on a regular basis, and there are several that I still have in my car that I listen to all the time. So it wasn't something totally new. No, I, ha- I haven't. Re- I didn't recognize most of the songs, but I love them. I mean, yeah. they really speak to you. So, I mean, that's one thing I do love about this church is the worship team because I'm mute. It really speaks to me. I mean, I can anybody. All they have to do is sit there and they, you can feel God when he's here, hmm. especially when we're singing. That's really cool. Now, um, what would you say to someone maybe in a similar situation as you that are, they're kind of afraid? Um, what would you tell them about new life? I would just tell them to just take it on faith and just come here. I don't try to be anything you're not. Just walk in and as long as you're open, you know, new life is going to embrace you. But we can't just leave them there at that simple commitment level. By the way, isn't that pretty funny? Ricky gave her a deadline. That a boy, Ricky. We can't leave them at the come and see level. Jesus didn't. Over three and a half years, Jesus required more and more of his disciples. He wanted them to step up to the next level. So this, the next level is, number two, come and serve. First level is come and see. Second level is come and serve. John 14, 21 and 23, Jesus is speaking. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. If people love me, they will obey my teaching. My father will love them. Number two, come and serve. First levels come and see. Second levels come and serve. John 14, 21 and 23, Jesus is speaking. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself. We're told that we're supposed to judge people outside the church. We're not supposed to do that. But we are most certainly told in the Bible that we are to judge Christians. We are to judge people inside the church. And let me first in your life. And by the way, we are never told that we're supposed to judge people outside the church. We're not supposed to do that. But we are most certainly told in the Bible that we are to judge Christians. We are to judge people inside the church with them. Jesus said you demonstrate your love for him by obeying his commands. When you disobey, you are demonstrating that you don't really love God. You don't really put him first in your life. 
And by the way, we're never told that we're supposed to judge people outside the church. We're not supposed to do that. But we are most certainly told in the Bible that we are to judge Christians. We are to judge people inside the church. That simple commitment level. By the way, isn't that pretty funny? Ricky gave her a deadline. That a boy, Ricky. We can't leave them at the come and see level. Jesus didn't. Over three and a half years, Jesus required more and more of his disciples. He wanted them to step up. Don't say anything bad about my bride. Don't do anything bad to my bride. Or you and I are going to have issues. God is saying that the church, Jesus says the church is the bride of Christ. Are you serving the bride of Christ? If you're not, then you're being disobedient and it's time to make a change. I want you to hear from Jennifer Kennedy, who started serving all the way in a youth group. I knew her thing bad about my bride. Don't do anything bad to my bride or you and I are going to have issues. God is saying that the church, Jesus says the church is the bride of Christ. Are you serving the bride of Christ? If you're not, then you're being disobedient and it's time to make a change. I want you to hear from Jennifer Kennedy, who started serving all the way in a youth group in some capacity all the way till now. So what, what has convinced you to serve? Um, I guess even more so lately, it's just God's really convicted me that this life is more of a, should be all about the next life. And so that's kind of my passion is that I want everything I do here to make a difference for the next. So if I can step in and, and help one person, then that makes it worth it. So and especially since I have kids, I really want then to be able to look at my life and be able to say, that's what I want. So, Okay, how long have you been working with the older children here at New Life? Um, five, six years. Five or six years. Is it easy? <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of Sundays where I get really frustrated because it's, it's hard. I mean, because the stage of life we're in now, we have four little ones, and Wes is gone early, and so it's just me getting everybody ready getting myself ready and getting trying to get focused and ready to come up here and do all this. So there's a lot of mornings where I throw little fits about it and I don't like it. But once I'm here and once, you know, 1045 hits and I'm dealing with the kids up here, and I know that all that doesn't matter. And so I know that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, and I love it. So, so when you leave then on Sundays, what kind of feeling do you have when you walk out the door on Sundays? I know that... I've done what I'm supposed to do, that what I'm called to do. Because, I mean, there are Sundays when I do make it over into big church, and it's not that I don't like it, but I just, I'm wondering what's going on in here. And, and this, and so when I am in here, even though there might have been stresses leading up to it, and I maybe would think, well, it would be nice to have the day off, I just know that I love it. I just, I can't explain it other than I just know that I've done what God has called me to do. So, and it's totally worth it. So that's kind of what keeps you going then is knowing you're called, but then the, the sense of fulfillment when you yeah. walk out the door. Yeah. Amen. So what would you tell someone else who maybe hasn't served? What are they missing by not serving? Um, what are they missing? I, am, I guess just a fulfillment. You know, it's, it's, um, it's kind of like our money. You know, you always talk about, you know, we have our money and we spend it, and then what do we have to show for it? And I think we do that with our time. It's like, you know, we, we maybe spend our time watching TV or doing this. Or There are days where I'm home, at home with my kids all day long, but at the end of it, I haven't really spent time with them. And so um, my house may be clean, but I didn't enjoy my children. And so I think 
with my time, I want to use it and have something to show for it. And I think that the work that God does here, because it's not us, it's the work that God's doing, to be able to be part of that, and, I mean, you just get something from that that you don't get anywhere else. And that's the only thing that God, a void that only God can feel. And so um, it gives my life meaning. I'm so grateful to God for folks like Wes and Jennifer who give their lives so that others can hear. They, they understand that what we do here at church is very, very important. So first you come and see. Then you are invited to come and serve. The next thing is come and give. Luke 14, says this. Jesus again speaking. So you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. Jesus calls for some pretty radical commitment if we're going to be his follower. He says, give up everything you own. Why would, why would God want us to do that? Well, the most famous verse probably in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, He gave. And you are most like your heavenly Father when you give. So what are you supposed to give? Well, we're supposed to give our time. We're supposed to give our talent. And we're supposed to give a portion of our money, our treasure. Those are signs of maturity. Back a couple of months ago, we did a whole series called Building a Great Life. And we asked people to give over and above the tithe, over and above 10% so that we could pay off our debt. And I asked folks to write testimonies, to write them out on a piece of paper. Several folks emailed me testimonies about what they had learned in our Building a Great Life series. One of those testimonies was an email from Angela Lightfoot, and I've asked her to read you a portion of that email. Um, I didn't plan on giving a report. Really, I didn't think I had a great testimony, but God can really work on you. One of the greatest lessons I learned through the Building a Great Life was while praying about giving the one-time cash gift and the three-year commitment. My biggest struggle with God was guilt that I had debt, yet I knew He still wanted me to sacrifice and give. Dwayne and I both went through Dave Ramsey, thought it was great, but did not carry out the whole concept. While tithing most of our adult lives, we also lived in the moment and have had debt. It was clear to me during my talks with God that while I could cash some things in and write a check for the cash gift, He really wanted me to Ramsey up and get myself out of debt so I could be free to give abundantly. I know God wants the best for us all, and He has a sense of humor, because I couldn't help but laugh and cry when I made my budget and it came up negative. I'm excited and look forward to seeing what God is going to do in New Life Community Church, my budget and faith. Now, you, you wrote another paragraph, and it's kind of funny to me because you mentioned God's sense of humor. What did you say a little over a year ago about New Life? What, what were your words? Um... New Life is the one church that I would never attend. And, and that goes back, way back years ago, to some history you and I have on a ski trip. Something happened, misunderstanding, and anyway. Um, but you said God has a sense of humor. What changed your mind, and, and why, why do you like New Life now? Um, for so many different reasons. Um, it was part my ignorance um, my pride, I think, and um, our church and our small group has changed our lives, and that um, Dwayne now rises at 7 a.m. to um, have quiet time with the Lord, and so, and because of that, it has changed our whole family tremendously, and um, through our small group, through prayer and sharing, which is hard for me. Um, I've seen growth and change in all of our children also. So. 
and you said something about new life now, you have a different perspective of new life than you did a year ago. What would you say about uh, new life now? Um, I can't think of any body of believers that I'd rather call uh, family and friends than new life. Angela and Dwayne have become good friends of ours. And really, this is, how, um, this is how the church is supposed to work. People know that we're Christ followers by our love for one another. They come to our small group, and we love them. We pray for them. Um, we, we pray for their family, and, and that's the way the church is supposed to work. Now, there's, there's come and see. There's come and serve. There's come and give. And then, then the most radical level of all is come and die. Look what Jesus says in Luke 14, 27. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus was talking to followers who very much understood the imagery of carrying a cross. When you carried a cross, you were going to die. And so Jesus was saying, you, you have to give your life to me. Put your life in my hands if you're going to be used by me. And so his disciples understood this very clearly. I read this verse several weeks ago. I've been studying the workbook, Experiencing God. And, and as I was studying and praying, God just said this to me. I wrote it in the margin of my workbook. If your uh, faith in God costs you nothing, then it's worth nothing. That's not an easy thing to hear about following Christ. And I think many churches have forgotten that what we do on Sundays is a small part of the Christian life. God wants to be the Lord, the boss of every day of your week, not just on Sundays. And at this point, many people turn away from God. They'll say, oh, well, God, you know, I'll come and see. That's easy. I'll come and see. I might come and serve. On my best days, I'll consider coming and giving to this whole church thing. But come and die, that's crossing the line. Who do you think you are asking me to give up my life for you? And God very lovingly and firmly says, I'm in charge. And that's the deal. I gave my son for you. And if you want a relationship with me, if you want my blessings now and you want heaven as your gift after you die, then it will cost you your life. Take it or leave it. And the saddest thing is, Many people leave it. They say the cost is too high. And I was thinking about this this week and I thought, I wonder what people in hell would say about the cost of heaven. Do you think they would say it's, it costs too much? Or do you think they would give everything, every cent they ever had, every award they ever received, do you think they would give it all just to get into heaven? Jesus moved his followers from come and see to come and die. And so what I want to know is where are you in the process? Would you take your registration cards and fill those out for me? And on the back, we always ask you to make a commitment based on what you've heard. Respond some way to what you've heard. Obviously, if you're here today, you're at least at the come and see level. Just be honest about it. God wants you to be honest. We want you to be honest. Just write on the back, come and see. And I'll know exactly what you're talking about. You're just at that, I'm checking this out. I don't know if these claims are right. I don't know if Jesus is the one. That's okay. We welcome you here. We welcome your questions. You take your time. And we believe God's going to eventually lead you across the line of faith. But you're, you're at the come and see level. 
Others of you have been here a while and you know it's, it's time to serve. It's time to move up a notch. And, and I'm praying that God's saying to you today, you, 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 it's time to serve. It's time to give back to my kingdom. Write that on the back of your card. Now, some of you have been serving. You serve once a month and yay for people who serve once a month. I'm all for that. And we need more and more people to do that. But some of you have not been giving. You're takers. You're not givers. And I'm praying that God will say to you today, it's time to give. Give your talent. Give your time. Give of your money, a portion of your money. We don't want all your money. God never asked for all your money. Your money just represents your heart. So God says, give me just a portion so I'll know where your heart is. It's a test. Write that on the back of the card. I need to come and give. And then as scary as it might seem, some of you know it's time to move to the come and die level. Now, I, I don't think many of you who are brand new followers of Christ are going to say, I'm ready to come and die. But some of you have been Christians a long time. I know people who've been Christ followers for 50 years that are still at the come and see level. That's not pleasing to God. It's time to come and die. And I'm praying that some of you, you've been holding back portions of your life and you're ready to say, God, it's all in your hands. My time, my talents, my money, my children, my job, this life you've given me, it's all in your hands. It's time to come and die. And I'm praying that a few of you will say, that's me. Whatever God... You just say the word, God. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You write that on the back of your card. Now, one other thing that I want you to write on your card. Um, actually, two other things. One, one first. I want you to think of the name of somebody that you could invite to come and see what church is like. Stop right now and just ask God, who is in my world that I can invite to come and see? Maybe there's a name that comes to your mind. Maybe it's somebody that you've seen at the store or at the gas station, and, and all you want to do is say, come and see. Just come and check us out. I want you to write their name down, or write where they work if you don't know their name. Write that down on the back of your card, and I'm going to pray with you and for you that God will give you the opportunity to invite them to come and see. And then, since I'm out of town hanging out with my daughters uh, at, at uh, a gymnastics meet just to help me um, feel a little bit better about you know being gone and, and being your pastor um, I want you to write this on the back of your card I love my pastor Zach gave me this several weeks ago and it's my bookmark in this Bible and he says he says that's my I gave him that he said every time he sees it I gave him that so write I love my pastor on the back of your card that'll make me feel better about being gone today Let's pray together and be dismissed. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for loving me where I am, but loving me so much that you're not going to leave me where I am. God, today some people need to make some steps forward. And I pray that you impress that very clearly on their hearts. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We have three baskets at the back. First is our joy basket. Woohoo! We ask all of our church members and regular attenders to give in the joy basket. You know what you're supposed to do. You're expected to give. We only teach what God teaches and God expects you to give. So you give back there in that basket. We have another basket, our Building a Great Life basket, our bagel basket. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's where we're trying to get out of debt. And if God leads you to, to give there, write a separate check because we uh, our accounting, we do that quite differently there. So it helps us out if we have a separate check for bagel. 
And then finally we have our registration card basket. Oh, and uh, that's where you put your cards. And I will pray for you this week. I'll be back um, later this evening and I'll come and get those cards. One of the things I love doing is reading those cards and seeing what God's doing in your life. And I love to be involved through prayer. So write down your prayer concerns and put those in that basket as you leave. Thank you for being here. I'll see you next week. You're dismissed.